Welcome to the Ed Epley Experience. 20 minutes that simplifies the complex job of managing and leading people and inspires you to take action on what you probably already know to build and sustain a smart and healthy business. Here's your host, Ed Epley, to introduce this week's guest and business leader. Welcome to the Ed Epley Experience. 30 minutes or less to get one proven practical idea for running a more successful, scalable, and sustainable business. As always, we have a very interesting guest. And uh, our guest today, he is the quintessential entrepreneur. He's a renaissance man. He's extremely resilient. He's all about family and manages that as good as anybody that I know. He may roll his eyes when I say that, but I think that he does it really well, both with his immediate family and also his extended family. He's a graduate of Hillsdale College up in Michigan. And when you know Sam, when you get to spend any time with him, he's so passionate and enthusiastic about life and what he does. He gives you energy every time you're around him. So you're going to enjoy meeting Mr. Sam Wiley, CEO of Wiley's Finest. So welcome to the Ed Epley Experience, Sam. Yeah, thank you very much for having me, Ed. It's always a pleasure to speak with you and and spend time with you. We go back a ways, and I think we owe the audience the uh, story of our first meeting. So if you don't mind uh, elaborating a little bit about that, that meeting, about how that took place and who was involved, I think the audience might laugh a little bit. Oh, sure. It's a, it's a great story. So Every early March, uh, Natural Products Expo West in Anaheim, California. And a number of years ago, my brother Dan Wiley and I were flying from Columbus to L.A. And, you know, like like many of these flights, you're working away. And I think my brother was – I was in a window, and my brother was in the window in the row in front of me. That's right. And this nice lady was seated in the middle between me – and this nice fella who had an opaque screen protector, so you couldn't see his laptop screen. And he was kind of hunched over his laptop. And his wife started making conversation with me. And it's, what do you do? And, and well, I'm on my way. I sell fish oil. And, you know, we make fish oil. I'm on my way to a, uh, you know, biggest trade show in the world for natural products. And but I, I was trying to get some stuff done. <laughs> And she was ta- talking to me about fish oil and, and dietary supplements. She's like, well, I take fish oil. And I'm like, oh, yeah, everybody takes fish oil. I know. So somebody's always trying to talk to me about this. And I love to talk about it, but I actually have to get something done. But I, was, I couldn't say that because I was being too polite. I was, so I gave her samples. You're a lot nicer than I am, Sam. Let's just be honest. You're a lot nicer human being than this old guy is. But go ahead. She keeps, she keeps pushing her husband's shoulder. And it's like, honey, check out what this guy does. And then, so Ed started telling us about what he does about organizational health and helping, you know, high performing management teams. And my brother, who is the row in front, is like leaning over back (laughs) over the, and he's going, Oh my goodness. We need this. My dad needs this. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like, and so I think very seldom have such successful relationships been made 
you know, bumping into each other, uh, seated next to each other on an airplane. And my wife, Fran, was that young lady sitting between us. And and Fran, being the uh, lovely and wonderful human being that she is, she's genuinely interested in almost everybody that with whom she comes in contact. And somehow she knew you were the right guy to to pester. And and so you were you were kind. And just to finish the story, we're on that Delta seven a.m. flight from Delta out to LAX. And so we talk a little bit, and we even talked a little bit about Perth leadership and the impact of that on uh, organizations. And I remember Dan saying. Well, our other brother needs to be involved with that discussion. And so all of a sudden I'm getting a, I'm getting this really weird setup about what kind of company is it? So I got three brothers involved, but they're not there. They don't run. There's multiple companies. And it was just kind of like this was kind of a first blush of the complex business that the Wiley family is involved with, with Wiley Co. and and the different businesses. So let's let's give the audience the benefit of that. Thanks, first of all, for for sharing that story, Sam. I, I have to laugh and smile every time I hear it because of just how that all went down. When people hear the term fish oil, there's a lot of, uh, first of all, just general awareness of it, but then probably a lot of skepticism because they see the infomercials and, you know, and, and a lot of people take some and maybe don't feel that much better, but they're feeling guilty if they don't. And, and so there's that. And then the other idea is in Coshocton, Ohio, which is about 90 minutes east of Columbus, Ohio, is the place in the United States that processes more fish oil than any place in the United States, any place in North America. Right, Sam? Well, lar- largest concentrate, omega-3 concentrates manufacturer in the United States. Yeah. Uh, there's some Canadian producers that are, are – there is one Canadian producer who's quite large. But, okay. Um, You're right. Yeah, we're, we're one of the big boys in North America. And yeah. It's a bold claim, but there's not that much domestic production. So we're not, we're also one of the only producers of okay. concentrates in the United States. Well, talk a little bit about how does somebody, I mean, it's quite an interesting story how you guys even got in that business and then ultimately started this business to consumer company that provides fish oil supplements and a variety of formulations to help people live high, healthier lives. So tell us whatever you want to tell us about that. Well, so we're uh, a family ingredient and manufacturing business, custom ingredients and, and fine chemicals out of Coshocton, Ohio. We started in 1981. And the, the little story on the side of most of our Wiley's Finest Wild Alaskan fish oil bottles um, says that you know, experts in manufacturing dietary supplement ingredients for more than 25 years, you know, we now bring our expertise to a consumer product. And right. The interesting bit about what we've done over the years is, is primarily made ingredients on a custom basis for, you know, brands and companies uh, in the United States and around the globe. Like, give, give, drop a couple of names on us. Well, uh, there's uh, past customers that have, you know, used products, more niche uh, brands like Barleen's or larger brands like GNC. Yep. But... Our, our ingredients go into major, you know, A-list uh, brands around the world. And when we saw an opportunity to enter the fish oil market okay. in 2008, we sort of fell into an Alaskan fish oil supply, working with Alaskan fishermen who said, hey, fish oil seems hot. And we got fish oil, but we don't know what to do with it. And we said... We don't know a lot about fish oil, but we know a lot about purification and distillation. Well, we'll see what we can do. And we discovered how unique a concentrated omega-3 from wild Alaskan fish oil truly was. 
and how that just didn't exist in the market. But it was a hard sell at first, especially yeah. on an ingredient basis. And you, so you, you were really in a missionary mode for quite some time in terms of, uh, uh, you know, spreading the gospel about this concentrated approach and what it could mean and that it was viable. Correct. Yeah, it, it was definitely a missionary mode because the bulk of the world's omega-3 concentrates come from the Peruvian anchovy. That's the single largest species of omega-3 fish oils for supplements or foods. Okay. And so, so it was, what? Wild Alaskan? I, you know, and we could win ingredient contracts on price and availability and things like that, but no uniqueness, you know, so it would just go into a formula labeled fish oil. Right. And it was still viewed pretty much as a commodity by the people buying it from yeah. you. Specialty yeah. commodity, very yeah. uh, fungible. Right. Uh, supply that with, you know. So we we hit upon this idea uh, because we'd made samples to show off a wild Alaskan fish oil. We hit my brother, Dan, and I hit upon this idea of we should start our own consumer brand to show off all the unique features of our ingredient because people people don't get it. And we had, by the way, taken those unique, unique features and benefits, shopped them to brands that are now competitors of Wiley's Finest. And they said, uh, you know, guys, we'd have to commit to you. We'd have to rely on you to be our supplier. You're so new. You're unproven. I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't think we can do that. Right. And so we said, you know what? We're going to do it ourselves. Hence, uh, and I need to interrupt here because the audience needs to appreciate the family is predisposed. And But the, what's really unique about the Wiley family compared to most families I meet in business is their predisposition to all be entrepreneurial when it comes to risk. So and what, I'm, what I want you to know about Sam and his brothers and his dad in particular is that they see oftentimes far more risk in not doing something than in doing it. And so the whole idea of not pursuing this and not pushing forward on it, even when it wasn't proven, was really, you went like, that's a bigger risk to not do it than to go ahead and try to continue with this. So Sam and his his families are predisposed to think that way and not, most people don't. Most executives don't think that way. Continue, Sam, forgive me, but I need to make that point. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, I think we're always willing to, sometimes too willing, to chase a new idea or a new opportunity. Um, you know, I think, I think that the, um, the, the exciting innovation part and really where I got really excited and really became passionate is the opportunity to take a product and sell it, um, either through a retailer or through websites direct to a consumer, to a right. user, right? And have a one-to-one relationship with that user and yep. serve them in a way that, you know, for, for, for decades, my family has made things that are very critical components, whether foods, supplements, or pharmaceuticals, or, or coatings, or other things that it's like, this is a critical component, and it goes into a name brand of, of something. Uh, but I can't tell you about it. And it's also one of many components. And it's, it's sort of like telling you that we made the rivets to make the Golden Gate Bridge. Well, right. the Golden Gate Bridge is very, you know, iconic of San Francisco, but nobody thinks much about the rivets. Um, so that to be able to say, no, 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 here, this is our product. This has our name on it. Put it in your hand. Um, it will make a meaningful and measurable impact on your overall health and well-being. That is what gave us the passion. What gave me the drive to make this a success. 
You're listening to the Ed Epley Experience. Email Ed now with your questions for today's guest to podcast at theepleygroup.com. In his book, Let's Be Clear, Six Disciplines of Focused Management Pros, author Ed Epley breaks down key practices of professional management, how to implement them, and why it matters. Purchase your copy on Amazon.com today. Develop your competitive edge for the future while building a sustainable and thriving business. Well, let's fast forward. So you went down this path and initially it was you were going to do this to prove its viability to other people to consider using it or to use you as a supplier to their process. And all of a sudden now you've bottled lightning. You have a successful consumer brand nutrient or supplement. So explain now where Wiley's Finest is and and how you go to market and all those kinds of things. So we're a niche consumer brand focused on the natural and specialty market. Um, what we call tend, we call tend to call the natural channel. So okay. the natural channel is places like Whole Foods Market or Sprouse Farmers Market uh, at a big size and then independent mom and pop health food stores at a small size. Yep. And, um, you're, you're across the United States nationwide across the United States. Uh, we're sold in every single state, all 50 states, including Alaska and Hawaii. And we're, we also have a, a pretty significant and strategic presence, uh, at least for a brand our size in the UK. I mean, the UK is, is an interesting market because it's an English speaking market, but it has double the per capita consumption of omega three fatty acids than the U S. So 60 million people become a little bit more like 120 million Americans. Yeah, it's a big deal. That's a yeah. big, big deal. Yeah. Well, personal promotion here, and not, Sam didn't know I was going to do this, but Fran and I both take their cholesterol support product, which is plant sterols combined with fish oil that uh, has, for both of us, lowered our cholesterol significantly by over 30 points total cholesterol. So we're healthier people because of it. All I would tell you is that if you're thinking about fish oil supplements, you've got cholesterol issues, vision there's products that Sam and his organization have, and and I don't want to turn this into just a commercial about that, but I want people to know it's it's legitimate and makes a difference in Fran's life and my life. And actually, our, our son, who's type 1 diabetic, uses it. So we're blessed to know you just for that reason alone. I want to talk more, though, and the reason we're here is about leadership and running businesses. And one of the things that, as I mentioned kind of at the beginning, is most families have an entrepreneur in them. They don't have multiple entrepreneurs, and yet you guys seem to have that. I'm curious about for you personally, Sam, when did you start to recognize you were an entrepreneur? And and I don't know if you think of yourself that way, but you are. And um, and I'm just wondering if, if there was ever a moment where you thought, I'm supposed to run a business. I'm supposed to come up and figure out something that the market needs and find a way to fulfill it. Was there a moment where like the, the light bulb turned on and you went, bang, I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah. I, I think uh, I probably became more self-aware of the, of the idea when I was in college, certainly as a young child or as a teen or tween, I was always good at organizing people. So I would start clubs um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, whatever thing I happened to be into, if I was 11, I was into the Hardy Boys. When I was, you know, yeah. in my teenage years, I was more, you know, into Star Trek and Star Wars. And it was, you know, organizing clubs or groups. But then as in, in college, it became 
I want to go on spring break. And I can't really afford to go on a spring break vacation by myself. I need to get about eight people together and we can pool all of our resources. And then I can drive the cost down for gas, transport, food, and we can go camping and we can go to the beach and we can have fun. And, you know, if, if I had to go all by myself, it'd be $500, but I can get the price down to 125 by pooling resources. <laughs> and so that's when I began to realize, Hey, I like doing this. Oh yeah. Um, and then just, just seeing opportunity in the market that just, I think entrepreneurs, they, they'll see an opportunity that no one else sees and it burns them up inside. They can't sleep. They just think about it. Um, they wake up in the morning and they, they, they can think about nothing else. Their, their spouse, their significant other gets sick to death about hearing of, of this. And, you know, I think y- Yvonne Chouinard, who founded Patagonia, uh, said that, you know, if you, if you want to understand the mind of an entrepreneur, you need to look at the juvenile delinquent <laughs> because the juvenile delinquent says, this sucks. I'm doing, I'm not oh, doing, I love doing something different. That and is so I you. I disagree. That is so you. That, that is a wonderful <laughs> quote. And that is so you. That's amazing. Sam Wiley, Kirk Cordell, and uh, Marv Brisky are three guys that I know who are all graduates of Hillsdale. And every one of them, and I'm speaking as you in the third person, every one of you is very successful business people. And um, two of you are highly entrepreneurial. One is is not as much of an entrepreneur, but still a tremendous leader and business person. What is it about Hillsdale? You know, the, the Hillsdale College is, is uh, a unique institution in its emphasis on teaching first principles, learning for learning's sake. Yeah the emphasis on the great books, the the discourse and the dialogue that happens across campus at every level, whether it's student to student. I mean, the, nowhere else do people get together at parties and talk about the classics or <laughs> talk about, argue about philosophy and, and those kinds of things. And, you know, um, it's very nerdy kind of place. Um, and the emphasis on critical thinking and how that's encouraged really at all levels. And it doesn't matter whether somebody's chemistry degree or, or economics degree or, or, or biology or history. I mean, that emphasis on, on the first principles, the great texts and, and critical thinking, so important for leadership. Did you enjoy it? I mean, did you have fun at Hillsdale or did you know in the moment that you really were, you were really glad you were there or was it more after the fact that you recognized the value of what you had? I mean, both my wife and myself went to Hillsdale College. Um, We enjoyed every minute of it. Uh, I don't particularly enjoy being told to learn things that I don't want to learn. And that is, of course, good good for one's character and development. Many, many subjects, you know, full disclosure, I'm not a great student. Um, I'm an exceptional student if I'm interested and want to learn the topic. (laughs) And then I'm obsessed about it. But Ding. I, I think <laughs> yeah, many, ring, ring the many bell. entrepreneurs tend to be C, you know, students at best. And right. That certainly right. describes myself. Um, but it's it's because we, you know, we have a passion for something that we're really truly interested in. We'll drive that farther than 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 an A student ever would. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, 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 and you'll retain it too. I mean, it's not just learning for learning's sake. It's because you're going, no, that matters. I need to know that I need to understand it. And so it becomes part of your crystallized learning that, that you're going to leverage far into the future. So that's interesting. Uh, well, I'm glad, I'm glad to, I'm glad to hear a little bit about that experience. You, you've, um, You've been through a couple of uh, steps in the life cycle of a business now with uh, Wiley's Finest. You got it successfully out of startup now to to growth or scaling. And I'm curious about how your leadership responsibilities have changed, what that's meant for you. And so for our listeners who are are thinking about that, if, if they're in the startup phase, predicting for them what it might be like to move into the growth. And if they're already there, what what your learning is about how your job needed to morph and how you've changed. Well, I, th- I think the zero to the first hundred thousand or the first million is, is seemingly very difficult, especially at the time. Um, it's amazing how hard you work for 10 or 15 or $20,000 worth of sales, <laughs> you know, where, where today I can talk to a sales rep who's saying, Hey, I've got this deal for, 15,000 that somebody wants to send us and you know, the price isn't good enough. Don't, don't close that deal. Right. You know, um, you would have killed for it a couple of years oh, ago. Oh, you would have killed. I would have killed for it. And, and when you tally up the end of the month, you know, or the end of the quarter in those early days and, you know, you're like, wow, we closed $30,000 this month, you know, and it's unbelievable how 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 challenging it is to go even from zero to that kind of level of sales i think from any 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 company especially consumer brands but i think to get to that first you know that first million or that first few million um it requires a leader to be very very active in some senses do everything a micromanager a coo it's a hard shift to get past that five or 6 million range and and get closer to 10. And, and then to start to realize that you really have to build a cohesive leadership team and, and, and you, 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 you need whoever it is on your team, you, you have to have them grow their output year on year or you you can't keep them. And it's not a threat. It's, it's It's a harsh reality. It's a harsh, it's a harsh reality. And it's, it's, um, there's a sense in which, uh, as you become more and more successful commercially, um, it becomes harder and harder to have some of the same relationships, maybe that you might have relied on right. when you went when you were smaller um, and when when things were simpler. And so, become it can become lonely. I think it's important for um, I think it's important for executives and for for leadership to to seek out peers at their level. It's not to say that you can't or shouldn't be friends and good friends with your, with your team, but they'll always view you in a slightly different light than, than you view them. You're like, Hey, you want, you want to come over to have a cookout and have a beer? And, and they're thinking, well, honey, Saturday we're going to Sam's house because he told me I had to come over for a beer. Right. And right. Uh, yeah, no, I'm sorry. We can't do that thing with your mom. Right. Yeah. All of a sudden it's, it's, yeah, it's skewed, whatever, whatever the intent, it's, it's not exactly what you wanted it to be. So I was just going to say that, that there's a really, there's a big record scratch. I think for me, probably happened about two years ago where you realize that all of the habits that you have 
all of the things that you've built, too much of the organization is relying on you to make a decision on everything. And it's completely unsustainable. And it, it got you to where you, you are, but you, you are the single biggest factor holding the organization back. That I remember those some of those conversations we had back then, and it was uh, this was not a short time to resolve for you. This was uh, I don't know six, nine, maybe even twelve months period of time where you were. This is a poor analogy, but it's the words that come to my mind. You were wandering in the desert, searching for okay. Let, let me try this to try to build a better team and get out of this trap that I've created for myself. And and then it was trial and error to some extent before you got enough confidence. I think that you were making the right kind of moves. Is that fair to say? What I what oh I absolutely shared? absolutely yeah. it's, it's a big record scratch. I think I found some of the best therapy. <laughs> best therapy that I could have ever had was to listen to um, Guy Raz's How I Built This podcast and where famous entrepreneurs describe their struggles and their journey because, I mean, um, some of these really well-known successful entrepreneurs, the most common threads are how much of a struggle it was to delegate, how much yeah. of a struggle it was to let go, how, how many fights they had with their either their family or their partners, their business partners, or um, and also how uh, many leaders and entrepreneurs, you know, struggle with the the imposter syndrome mm-hmm. and feel like they're they're not good enough. Somebody's going to find out that there's no way somebody should be letting me run this business. Yeah. I, don't, I have no clue what I'm doing. I'm hoping, but I really don't know how we're going to go to where I know we need to get to. That That's very prevalent. Let me ask you this. You have done a remarkable job at striking a balance between a smart and a healthy business for where you currently find yourself. We've talked about smart and healthy before in this podcast. And for, for those who may not be familiar with the terminology, the smart side of the business focuses on strategy finance, technology, marketing, things of that nature tend to be fairly discrete things that you're going to do in the business. The health side of the business is about having the purpose that helps drive the business beyond financial, that we're aligned and cohesive at the leadership team level, that we uh, have low turnover of people that we really care and, and value the most, and that there's a great deal of clarity in the organization. So it, it tends to be more qualitative and harder to measure than the uh, smart side of the business. So where are you in that journey, Sam? Are you working now harder on the smart side to help you scale? Are you working more on the health side or is it some of both right now for you? I think if you take your eye off the ball from healthy too long, you have this effect called entropy. And so it, 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 you know, it takes over quick. Um, Chaos reigns. You have to have habits uh, and disciplines around healthy. Mm Mm-hmm. Or it it won't work, but I, I we're we're certainly we have a we have a very healthy team. We're really focused making our team a lot smarter, identifying all of the everybody has learning gaps or blind spots to their knowledge base, and so really trying to go through um, our managers and, and key team members and say. Hey, we don't want to offend you, but you, you're not good at this. You need to get good at this. You need to learn um, because our organization needs you to be good at this. And, you know, whether that is in certain kinds of supply chain planning or whether that's in you know, presentation skills or whether that is in um, not making mistakes right. uh, you know, in certain critical areas, um, learning those new skills is super important. So being smart is important. 
I think what I've learned, it's really, really hard. I, I would say almost impossible to be healthy without a lot of structure written down that is created and referred to constantly. So, you know, we're on a podcast, but Ed can see me on video behind my head as our, our one page plan. And, uh, we modeled that after Alan Mulally's one forward plan. Yep. And that is just the cheat sheet for the business. Yep. That's how we behave, what we do, who we serve. It's your language. It's your strategy yeah. for the business. It's your language for the business. And it's very consistent. And it makes it so much simpler for people throughout the organization to hear the same message, no matter who they're talking to. But it's, it's true, but it's not enough just to have it. So, it, you know, it's shown at the beginning of every single all hands meeting, every single weekly leadership meeting. It's in everybody's, you, we talk about it. You know, I always say that it, if the thought, if the thought of saying, the same thing about our culture and our healthy behaviors one more time doesn't make you physically ill at the thought of having to say it one more time. You probably haven't said it often enough. That That's right. Listening. That's my boy. I'm glad to hear you say that. That's exactly what it takes. The whole idea of over communicating is one of the least understood or appreciated and executed skills of an executive that, uh, that I deal with. Uh, they, the vast majority don't have the stomach to be able to do it as frequently as it needs to be done or the attention span. So sort of patience. Yeah. You know, it takes a certain amount of patience and humility. <laughs> we promise our listeners, we're running up on our time. So I need to, I need to get to this. We promise our listeners from our guests, one proven practical idea that helps run a more successful and sustainable business. If you had to give another executive listening to this podcast, uh, you got to do this. If you don't do anything else, what would it be? Daily check-ins. <laughs> explain that. Explain what it you is. You can run the whole business on daily check-ins. So each and every team member needs to participate in at least one daily check-in for managers, often two, yeah. one who they work for and one for their team. Right. Um, the daily check-in should be brief. It should be at the same time. It should start and stop on time. It should never run over. It should focus most critically on what's the single most important thing I need to do in the next 24 hours to drive the business forward. And if I don't want to hear about your number two, I don't want to hear about your number three. Just tell me the one because tomorrow I want to know, did you get what you said is critically important for the business done? Because if you didn't, you have a roadblock or problem. I need to help you. Yeah. And if you, if you didn't for several days or you seem unable to articulate something that's truly important. That's a red flag to me that I need to come alongside you and help explain what your priorities are. Yeah. There's so many tools out there for leaders and executives, but, uh, daily check-ins. I've won converts with leadership. I, I had, um, uh, a recent vice president that, that had spent some time with our team and has now left. Uh, he said, you know, when I started, I hated it, but now that I'm leaving, it is, my number one favorite thing yeah. and I'm implementing it in my new team. Sam's making me proud to, to know that he's chosen that. I didn't know what your answer was going to be, but that's, that is a crucial one. And again, great, great executives, great managers and leaders consistently have the capacity to make themselves and the organization do certain things that allow them to earn the right to be great companies. 
And um, again, daily huddles, check-ins are such a powerful tool. And so many people think it's beyond them. They, I should say beneath them that we, we shouldn't have to do this. And yet it, it is such a crucial tool. Sam, I wish we had more time. We're going to have to get you back for another uh, version of this where we add on to it because I know our listeners are going to enjoy it. You're a wonderful gentleman and, and you've become a good friend and not just a, a client, but I, I value your friendship. I really want to thank you for being here today. So uh, if, if people want to reach you, what's the easiest way to, for them to communicate with you if they want or learn more about Wiley's? So uh, Um You can find me on LinkedIn, Sam Wiley or sam at wileysfinest.com. W-I-L-E-Y apostrophe S for the business and, and, and no apostrophe S for Sam's last name. Keep going. Yeah, so, um, you know, we're, um, we have a mission. We have a purpose to help people live a better life through improved health. And uh, we really enjoy, I really enjoyed the time to, to spend talking with you. As always, Ed, we could chew the fat for the whole afternoon. I want to have the brown water or the wine in hand the next time we do this, and, and we'll we'll do another one, whether it's recorded or not. If you want more from Ed Epley, go to theepleygroup.com. It would be the best place to reach me. There you can hear podcasts from Sam and others. You can get a copy of my book, Let's Be Clear. And if you just want to ask questions, feel free to do the same. That's the easiest way to reach me. And for this episode, one more time, our thanks to Sam Wiley. We look forward to being back with you very, very soon. Sam, thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Ed Epley Experience. For more information on building a more sustainable, smarter, and healthier business, visit www.theepleygroup.com for resources, tips, and Ed's latest blogs. That's theepleygroup.com. Plus, take a free assessment at theepleygroup.com slash assessment to find out how you measure up as a highly skilled and accomplished manager and where to focus on improving your skills.